Hey guys, what's going on? Hey, before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a moment and recognize the heaviness and the gravity of the current situation that we're in following the uh, the murder of George Floyd and the you know, the protests that have followed to stand up against systemic racism and inequalities and inequities in this country. And it's uh, obviously a very serious and very sad and, and difficult time. And I'm feeling that, and I'm sure you guys are all feeling that. Um, I would definitely like to say that I, I do stand squarely behind the African-American community, uh, Black Lives Matter, and all the protesters and all the people that are standing up and uh, fighting against the uh, systemic racism and the racism that exists in our country in, in, in all the ways that you can. And, uh, yeah, so I just, just wanted to, to say that and say that I understand and recognize this moment. And, uh, you know, before we get into the things that we always talk about on the show, like, you know, endurance sports and nutrition and these types of things, I think it was important to at least acknowledge what's going on. And, um, you know, I hope this episode brings you guys some, uh, enjoyment in a, a tough time. So with that said, I will, uh, begin the episode. Thanks. Welcome to the Flytrap Coalition podcast, where we rediscover what it means to be human through interesting and insightful conversations on the topics of athletic performance, nutrition, holistic health, philosophy, psychology, mindfulness, endurance sport, and so much more. If you're listening to this, then you've been chosen. And I only have one thing to say to you. Welcome to the coalition. Coalition, got a good one for you today. We're going to talk all about triathlon, specifically Ironman triathlon, and I have the perfect person to do it with. Sebastian Gergerich is a two-time Kona qualifying Ironman. He has over eight Ironmans underneath his belt, over 15 half Ironmans underneath his belt. He has 10 years of experience. He's an absolute stud. He's elite level. He's always at the top of his age group. This guy's the real deal. And by the way, great guy. I think you guys are really going to like Sebastian's attitude, his outlook on life, his outlook on training. We talk about specifics. He takes us through a week of training. He takes us through his nutrition, how he feels about, you know, if you're not a great swimmer, how to become more proficient at that. It's a great episode. I think if you've ever had any interest in Ironman, this is the episode to listen to. And I want to give a shout out to my friend, Matt Brayfield. I saw him at Forest Park. I was riding my bike the other day and he mentioned to me that he was thinking about getting in triathlon and that's what inspired this episode. He said he was thinking about getting into it, but I could tell there was some hesitation. And I think that's a lot of people's experience with Ironman. They want to do it. They think it sounds awesome, but it just seems kind of daunting. So I wanted to, to get Sebastian on to really talk about what it is, how to train, and if you really want to get there, how to get yourself there. Sebastian, thanks again for uh, taking the time, man. I really enjoyed speaking with you, and uh, I think you're a great guy and, and uh, looking forward to keeping in touch. So without any further ado, I give you guys Sebastian Gergerich. Sebastian, welcome to The Coalition. Hey, hello, Brian. No problems. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm honored that you invited me. I'm honored to have you. Um, as we mentioned when we talked before we started recording, I've had 
ultra endurance runners. I've had ultra endurance cyclists, MMA fighters, and I've never had a uh, someone that's totally dedicated to to triathlon, uh, much less Ironman triathlon. So I'm really excited to have you. Appreciate you coming in. Yeah, that's some nice company you get, man. <laughs> well, you'll definitely, you'll definitely add to it. So much appreciated. You know, you have finished over eight Ironmans and well over 15 half Ironmans. You're, you're a Kona Ironman World Championship qualifier. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, I ran into a friend of mine when I was on a bike ride recently, and he had mentioned that he was thinking about getting into triathlon, but he was nervous about the swimming and some other aspects. And I think this is a common refrain that I hear in the, in the athletic community is they, they're interested in triathlon and Ironman, but it's, it seems daunting. There's some mysticism around it. Do, you know, how do I get the bike? How do I learn to swim? The logistics of it. So I, I was really appreciative to have someone that's as seasoned as you are to come in and maybe demystify some of this and give people uh, a good expectation of what they can expect to encourage more people to get into triathlons. So I'm curious, your background, how did you get into to triathlon? I don't have a special background in, in doing sport, no. All my youth, I have been playing soccer. I was a goalkeeper, so I didn't run much. I came in contact with the endurance sport when I had a forced break because of an injury. And I couldn't do anything else except for swimming. So I kind of like it. I was not a very good swimmer, but I like the contact with the water and the corners. And when the knee injury becomes a little better, I was allowed to bike. And some came the second endurance sport in my life, biking. We could say we humans are a kind of natural habitat. It's to run. We have run for centuries to gather our foods. And so I started to run. And there was the idea to do some triathlons. Nothing special. So in some ways you were kind of forced, not forced into it, but you, you were injured and a lot of people, when they get injured, they get down, they get depressed. You said, okay, what can I do? And for you, that was swimming. And swimming is one of those amazing exercises that is so low impact that you're, you're, it's almost all benefit, right? You're, you're doing very little damage to the body when you're swimming and really the same with cycling. It may be a little more wear and tear. But it sounds like through this injury and through this rehab process, you just got yourself into those things. It, on the on the topic of swimming, I think this is one of the exercises that intimidates most people that want to get into triathlon. Like you said, running is very natural, and we can all throw on a pair of shoes and start to run. Cycling, similar. We all rode bikes when we were kids and things like that. But swimming is very intimidating to people. What was your experience like when you first got into the water, and, and what would you tell people that are maybe holding back on triathlon because they feel like they really don't know how to swim very efficiently at all. I think you don't want to be a complete swimmer. Just go in the water and enjoy the water, the calmness and, and the joy that it gives you. And with time spent in the water, then came the experience. You feel like you are lighter, you're faster, you enjoy more, you can swim more. I'm, I'm also not a very good swimmer now. I have no swim background. But many people, when they go to, to the pools, they just go all out, all out. They see uh, a neighbor in the 
in the swim lane and they compete, they go all out. Who's the best? And then after 50 meters, end of the game. I think it's better to go in the pool or in the lake and do some technique drills, enjoy the water, feel the water and something like this. The contact with the water is the best thing you can do for your swimming. When when you feel natural in the water, then you can train. I think then you have the ability to train because you have felt the water, as they say. You must feel the water. If you don't have the feeling for the water, you don't you don't want to train if you don't like the the experience you become out of the water. I think that's that's my opinion. I don't know. I think that's the best advice I've ever heard on this topic, actually, because I was one of those people. I thought about getting into triathlon a few years ago, and the, the, the swimming was the part that really frustrated me because I was astounded at how bad I was at it. And even a couple of times up and down the you know 25-meter pool, I was out of breath. I felt like I couldn't didn't know what I was doing, and I got really frustrated. And I think people do that, and they, they, they take the wrong approach, which is I need to come in and be good at this right away, and if I'm not, it's it's bad news where you're saying you have to acclimate yourself to the water first before you can do anything because we spend such little time in water i think that's that's brilliant and you could probably even apply that to most things that we do in life or in training if i may say we all take times we know okay i need time to be a good runner i need time to be a good cyclist but when it's when it's down to swimming we all say okay i give it one or two months and i must be michael phelps (laughs) <laughs> no way <laughs> right no way exactly it's, it's a very special sport as you say it's a whole different environment now we are not born in the water we are more hunters or gatherers now not so much fishes and i think the approach that you're talking about it, for people to fully grasp it would be when you go to the pool for that first time maybe just get in the water and mess around like you would as a kid Right, yeah. you don't necessarily need to go in there for the first day of training and try to, you know, swim laps. Maybe just get used to just time in the water. It's similar to cycling with time on the bike. Your first order of business should be just get used to being in the water. Make it feel natural to be in the water. I think that's what you're you're getting at. It's a different mental approach, uh, and it's it, you also in order to fully embrace this, you have to embrace the fact that this is going to be a long term project, right? I think, do you feel like too many people try to get good at things too quickly before they put, you know, without putting the time in? Yeah, yeah. If you, if you see how they teach a youngster to swim, they say, go to the water, jump around, make some crazy things. Just feel the water, how it's, how it's felt if you do a swing or a backstroke or a breaststroke or a dolphin swing or everything else. Just feel what happens with your body when you're in the water and then you can learn to swim when you know how your body reacts in the water then you have all components to begin swimming if you don't know how your body is positioned in the water you don't know nothing you're just throwing away your power for nothing absolutely swimming to me appears to be one of those sports where the technique is very important and you can waste a lot of energy that does not propel you in the right direction in swimming, maybe more than any other sport, probably more than running, more than cycling. Once somebody does get comfortable in the water, let's say they take your advice and they spend time just getting comfortable in the water and they get to that point. What's, 
how would they go about getting that right technique so that the training that they do is efficient and they're not zapping themselves of energy for the things they might be stronger in, like the the bike or the run? So how would they go about getting that technique down? Yeah, if it's, I think the best thing is to go to a swim group when you have a teacher or trainer that then you have that immediate feedback now you do a drill and you have a feedback it's good no change this change that but if you don't swim in a group if you have on youtube or this many internet sites you have so much technique drills but then you are a bit lack with the feedback you, you don't know if you're doing it correct but for the start i think nothing can hurt you when you're more a proficient swimmer, you can go to a squat or to a trainer. But I do a lot of things from YouTube. I don't know. I see a specific technique drills that it looks great. And I want, I just want to try it, how it's felt. And it's kind of amusing to try out new things, especially in the water. Absolutely. So, you know, there's, like you said, there's a lot of information out there now on YouTube and if somebody can't afford a trainer, but obviously if somebody can't afford just even a couple of sessions, maybe just for somebody to watch them and almost like a golf lesson, you know, one or two lessons and a couple little tweaks in swimming is a big deal. The best thing is when you, at the weakest with your swimming, then the trainer can do the best things for you. Because when you learn to swim, you must do it right. When when you do lots of mistakes, then can become habits, and then you have a bad swim technique. So it's the the best thing you can do is to get the coach at your beginning. Then you learn the stops, the techniques from the start with the right attitude, with the with the right technique, and you you just upgrade it. Then you just do things. Right, not wrong. Huh? When you teach, when you when you start with the wrong things, oh, habits are a heavy burden. That's how I think about it. I don't know. Repetition works both ways, right? You you can yeah. get really good. At, you can really get really good at a bad habit, just as good as you can get really good at a good habit. So, it is important. I think swimming more than anything to get that technique as good as you can get it uh, within the context of don't let it be the reason that you stop doing triathlon. So if you had somebody that says, okay, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to, I got comfortable in the water. I've got a decent technique now, but I'm never going to be a great swimmer. Like I'm going to be competing against people that have swam their whole lives or swam in high school and college. And I want to do well in triathlon. Is it possible to do well in triathlon and have it be a fun experience if you just become say an average or even maybe a little bit less than average, a mediocre swimmer, can you still compete and do well and have a shot against some of the more experienced athletes? Yeah. You just described me. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm, you might say I'm an average swimmer. I compete in my age group. The best swims in Ironman are around 50, 55 minutes. I swim, my best swim was 101. My average swim is 105, 107. And I have qualified for Kona twice. I never lost triathlon in swimming. And you, you, and you definitely cannot win an Ironman in your age group in swimming. 
that's that's no problem. But you must be an average swimmer. I'm a, I will say you swim an Ironman distance down to one or five, max one ten. But if you are, if you are a superior cyclist and and a good runner, I I don't see a problem in it. You can compete definitely. I've heard some people talk about if you're an average swimmer, it's maybe best not to try and exert all your energy on the swim to realize that I'm an average swimmer. I'm going to be a little slower out of the water. Are there ways that you can conserve your energy during the swim so that you can use it? Like, are there techniques that you use to save yourself on the bike and the run, knowing that you're going to have to outperform in those two areas? Yeah. Now they have in almost all the races, they have the rolling start. So you have, you have these boxes with times, estimated swim times. And then you go to the box for your estimated swim times. And, okay, you see 105. Okay, if the people are correct, then they will all swim around 104, 107, or 105. And then you can draft in someone's feet. And then you conserve almost 30% of your energy if you swim behind someone. That, that drafting effect, it's very great. You conserve so much energy. You don't need to, to navigate with your head. Your head is in normal position. You just see your opponent's feet, but it must be a good opponent that doesn't, doesn't take you to the other side of the lake. But, <laughs> but you conserve 30% of your energy and, and that congestion when it's, when like in Kona, there's a group start. That congestion, it's out of the way. You don't get beat as a bad swimmer. You don't get beat, beaten up. Nah? And you don't drink water or your glasses are falling off. Nah? It's That rolling start, is, it's beneficial for the weakest swimmers. It's, it's, yep. it's a nice way. Nah? You just draft and you conserve energy. And then when you come to the bike segment and the run segment, then it's... Now, my fellow, now we go all out. <laughs> I love what you, I love the topic of energy conservation when it comes yeah. to endurance sports. It's like, that's what, that's one of the things that make these, that make endurance sport, whether it's running, cycling, triathlon, so cool is that it's, it's mental and it's physical. You know, even if you think about the big group at the beginning of a race, the amount of mental energy wasted in the excitement of it and the getting out of the blocks is really a strategic failure a lot of times. Can you talk just a little bit about how important energy conservation is? You, you mentioned drafting swimmers, but just from start to finish, what your strategies are in terms of energy conservation and how important that is mental and physical uh, to be really efficient when you're doing one of these 9, 10, 11, 12-hour races. Yeah, you know what they say. The, the fastest man doesn't win. That man wins whose speed was constantly for the entire race. You can be fast for 10 minutes, but you must be fast for the entire race. So the energy conservation is a great point. Nah? You are full of adrenaline. The gun goes out and you go all out. And then after one, two minutes, you, you realize, oh, man, cool down. This will be a long day in the office. <laughs> just yeah. just take one step at a time triathlon has three sports and the fourth four sports is nutrition 
if you don't get that right, you will be blown away. Yeah, the nutrition is such a big part of it. It's the it's the element of training that most people probably miss the most, right? Whether it's because they just don't think about it and put attention into it or they're following bad information, but yeah. you're really training, you're really training all the time, right? The way you recover, what you do in your off time, how you eat, whether it's inflammatory, anti-inflammatory, whether it's topping off your your glycogen stores. Um so while we're on the topic to, you you run a plant-based diet, correct? A, a, a vegan plant-based diet. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. How did that come into being and how do you think about that? I don't think especially that plant-based diet is inferior to any other diet. I don't know. I, I didn't see it in that way in, in any point. I just say, okay, I'm a vegan and let's make the best of it. I don't know of any shortcomings in my 10 years as a vegan that will cost me some great results in sport. I think this veganism or that plant-based unprocessed diet has given me some, some great times. I don't know. I feel good. I feel light. My digestion is great. I don't have this heavy, heavy feeling in my body. I don't know. The recovery is good. I'm not bloated. I don't know. You just don't eat so many processed foods, I think. You just go and take an avocado or take a chickpea or take some things that you like, tofu maybe or something like this. And and I think, it's, as, you, as you mentioned, it's way less inflammatory as the old foods that are now in the stores. Then when you come to the races, there are thing that any people just seek for gels or energy bars or something magical to give them superpowers or super speed or I don't know. Just stick to a plan. Eat what you like. I don't know. Eat I I'm liking to eat bananas on bike segment. Let's talk about your nutrition during the during the Ironman events because you're out there for so long. The nutrition is key. You have to be taking in quite a few calories to maintain yeah. your performance. What are you actually eating when you're out there? You mentioned bananas. Do, do you do any kind of gels or anything? Take us through a, a, a day of nutrition during an, an Ironman event. Yeah. I, I usually wake up around half four. The start is at seven. It's seven o'clock or 6.30. I, I wake up and... 3.30 a.m., eat oats with plant milk and a banana maybe or something like that. Drink a coffee, go to the start, maybe take a gel before the swimming, and then the swimming takes an hour if it's a great swim. On the bike, I usually eat some nuts or something like that and, and, and the bananas. They have bananas at the stations, you know, and, and I drink some isotonic drinks with, uh, with maybe with uh, some sugar in it, but not too much sugar. I don't like too much sugar. And then on the run, on the 42 case, I take maybe five gels with 20 grams of carbohydrates in each. I don't know. I, I don't like to use too much carbohydrates. To, to not upset my uh, stomach. But I I like to drink some Coke in the second half of my marathons. You know? 
And, and after an Ironman, I like to drink a beer. I dream of a, I dream of a beer for nine hours or ten hours. I don't know why. <laughs> Just give me a beer at the end. Of the I don't know. Well, well, well earned. It is funny when you're on uh, long training. Like for me, I do some some longer. I've started to do some longer bike rides on the weekends, and you really do when you're out there. You really start to crave certain foods. Yeah. yeah. A, 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 I had a Pepsi on a long ride the other day. A Pepsi <laughs> and a Cliff Bar, and it's like I would normally never drink soda in my normal life, but for some reason, sometimes when you're out there on these long rides, you just get these weird cravings, and it's like you can't think about anything else, right? Yeah, you you you're depleting yourself, and then your body craves for something that gives him a lot of powers. Some plain sugars, for example, now Pepsi or, or a beer. That, that, they are simple carbohydrates that gives instant energy. Now. And then come the endorphins and the, the serotonin. And oh, then you have some nice thoughts about it when you drink it. And your body is, <laughs> is happy. Yeah, it's funny when you really push your body to the extreme that so in our normal lives when we are just sitting around on the couch and thinking we we need all these extravagant things to make us happy. We need to order stuff on Amazon and we need the yeah. best shows to binge watch. But when you're out there after you've been riding for 5 hours and it's it's really hot and you know, sometimes just going to a gas station and getting a soda and a bag of chips is like you're so happy with that. It's 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 funny when you train really hard that you 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 become more like a normal human where you don't need all these extravagant things. You just need the simple pleasures and the basics of survival, and it makes you really happy. I think that's one of the coolest things about endurance sport. Do you find do you find the same when you're training? Yeah. Now now that the 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 triathlon for this year is out of the way. I have postponed all my races to the next year. I train the fat adaptation. I'm more of the low carb side of things. No, and I used to do now three or two long rides, 130 and 140 kilometers, just on, on avocado and maybe half a fist of the peanuts. And I, I just want I didn't feel hungry at all. I just stopped for two coffees at the gas stations. When you when you once fat adapted, we might say fat adapted, you just don't crave so much for sugary foods. Yeah. Mm. This is really interesting because yeah. being a being a vegan and being plant based, and I'm I'm a vegan as well. Yeah. I, I, it seems that the lower carb uh, movement is. Exclusive, exclusive for meat eaters. When you're talking about low carb, you see everybody with the with the steak and the eggs and the bacon yeah, yeah. and they're loaded with saturated fat and cholesterol. And you don't think of uh, a vegan plant based diet as being even able to go on a lower carb side. But it sounds like you're doing it, and I know some other people that are doing it. Um, you mentioned avocados and, and nuts. What are some other things that you're eating when you're doing a, a lower carb nutrition plan? I'm used to do lots of training fasted. I go for a run fasted. I can run 30 kilometers fasted. I have no problems with it. But the people don't understand that low carb is not no carb. Low carb is just targeted eating of carbs. So if you have a hard training day, then you eat some more carbs day prior. And you have a breakfast with, I think, more fats. 
you have peanut butter or avocado or coconut oil with toast. I don't know. Just this a taste of people what they like, no? or you have some coconut. I don't know, but you don't you don't need to be low carb and then say okay, no carb is better than low carb. No, that's not how the things function. You have mm-hmm. aerobic and anaerobic training, and when you you don't eat carbs, you cannot go fast. You cannot go fast on fats. You cannot go anaerobic. Then there's no oxygen present, and fats do not metabolize without oxygen. Then you need some carbohydrates. It's simple like that. I just want to say everybody who's doing low carb, do low carb, not no carb, and use strategically the carbs when you have a hard yeah, day. I think eat, a lot. Eat, eat some carbs, no problem. Eat some potato. I don't know. It's a cool thing, or rice, or yeah. something like that. No. I think it's good to see you. There's such a difference between someone like yourself who. You're a finely tuned athlete. You, you, you're very meticulous. You do the research. You know what you're doing when you're going on to a lower carb nutrition plan. I think so many people jump into these low carb diets because they want to lose weight and they yeah. just, they see it on Joe Rogan or they see some before and after photo on Instagram and, and then they, all of a sudden they start eating nothing but eggs and bacon. And, uh, I think it's important what you're saying is to, if you're going to do something like that, really kind of do your research and know what you're doing. Um, because a whole food plant-based diet is kind of foolproof, you know, and, and then once you get used to that, you can start to experiment and you're, you're experimenting under kind of like your own supervision and you, you're, you have some expertise in the field. So I think it's important that people kind of do their research if they're going to go on to something like that. Right. Yeah. I, I just follow my own research. I can mis- I can mistake sometimes, be right sometimes, and learn from it. I don't know. You can read something, but it's it's not that all-purpose advice. It it doesn't work for everybody. It may work for me, and it don't work for you, or the way around. No. It, and to lose weight, this is this is not a caloric issue. It's a hormonal issue. I can. I can eat a lots of things and gain weight, and you can le- eat the same things and lose weight. It's a hormonal thing. It's not a caloric thing. I don't think our bodies are not mathematically machines. No, they are hormonal machines. Yeah, there's there's a much bigger picture. People think calories. I think calories in, calories out is total. Yeah. Is, is not is not accurate, right? Like yeah. there, there's, it, it makes some sense on some mechanistic level, but the body is like a, a symphony. You've got, like you said, you've got hormones, you've got your your microbiome, you've got yeah. all these different interactions happening, and everybody, you know, if you add stress to someone's life, oftentimes they'll hold on to fat. Um, there's all kinds of different variables that play in. So I think your approach of experimentation and seeing what works best for you is is wise. Um, yeah. And the other part is like just a quick one on nutrition. Carb, all carbs are not created equal. You know, carbs are not the enemy. It's uh, people think of carbs and they think of things like potato chips and candy. And it's yeah. like, no, you know, carbs are, are, are potatoes and lentils and all these, you know, fruit and vegetables and these things that are phenomenal for you and that you can eat plenty of and not gain weight right so there's a people need to really define what they're talking about when they talk about carbs as well yeah i, I totally agree you know? if you use 
complex carbohydrates, as you said, like lentils or rice or potatoes or chickpeas or something like this, when we talk about plant-based diet, that's a great source, source of carbohydrates. But if you eat some crackers and chips and, and candies and Snickers all the time, that, that's not carbohydrates. That's carbohydrates plus fat. And if you, if you ingest so much energy, then you, be, you must run a marathon every day <laughs> to, to exactly. burn it off. It's, it's exactly. kind of hard. Talking about the Ironman, I think the Ironman is such a, an amazing event, and it it's such, I don't know, whenever I think of Ironman or I see something on TV of Ironman, it just gets me excited, and I think that brings a lot of people to the sport, and one of the reasons it's so successful. You've been in now, you know, well over 20, 25 Ironmans. What is that experience like when you, when you come to the event and you see all these fit people and all of the the hoopla and things associated with it. What's that Ironman experience like for somebody that's never been to one? Yeah, you will not believe what they say now. Yeah, for me, it's a little bit scary. And you come to the town and you see just fit athletes and they come to one place to compete and you think to yourself, oh my God, where am I this with all these fit athletes? But it's also nice to see that community when everybody lives for that one race that one day in that whole race atmosphere is you can feel it the whole week before the race the old people are just so friendly they give you advices where to park where to sleep how to travel how to get there and there and this that, that kindness just brings out that uh, that family feeling that Everybody lives just for that shot in the morning on Sunday. And then you just just explode from that positive feelings. Everybody do is they, just, yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to ask, do they have a lot of events leading up to, up yeah. to the starting line? Yeah, yeah. They have kids races and then have women races and then maybe a short code race. And then you have a... Uh, a bike organized bike ride to familiarize the the, the bike course or they have a, a swim meeting to know the swim course or a short run to get the feeling of the run course yeah it's it i think it's nice your whole family has something to do on an ironman the kids can run your wife can swim or can run or can bike it's it, it's just great, I think. That that makes the whole Iron Man family, as they say. So normally people will have to travel to these events. You might have one in your local, you know, if someone's lucky, they'll have one in their local city. But normally people will have to travel to these. How, how far in advance would you recommend people get down to their their venue to get in a hotel and acclimatize and, and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I'm more on the safe side of this. I... I like when when the the, <clears throat> the race is on Sunday. I like to be or Wednesday or Thursday. It's the it's the last day that I want to be there, just to settle in the hotel, just to pick up my numbers and my stuff from the <clears throat> race info point, and then have a good sleep, and then train a little, see the town a little, just to relax. Don't have this feeling of, ah, I must go there, I must go there. Just 
to chill out a little. I, I don't know. I, I used to take uh, an Ironman event as a, as a family vacation. We like to see some nice places, go to some nice restaurants or do, do other things except waiting for the gun to go off. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot be normal for three days just to wait for the gun to fire. You go nuts. Yeah. But let's talk about that gunfire moment. What is it like, especially maybe in your, I I assume you get used to it once you've been to a few of them, but in that first Ironman that you were at, what was it like lining up in the starting blocks? And and when that gun goes off, what kind of feelings were you, feelings and emotions were you experiencing? I had tons of feelings, thousands of thoughts, and just one final thought. Oh my God, (laughs) let's, let's do this. I cannot take it longer. Just fire the gun. I cannot wait it longer. You just, you just can't wait any longer. You just train so long, and you then first one hour prior to the start, you're a little scared or something. And when it, that, that last minute or that last seconds before the start, you just you're full of adren- adrenaline and you, you just want to come on. Just fire the gun. I want to go. Just let me race. Just, <laughs> I don't know. That's it's, awesome. It's just, just, just that nice feeling to to finally be at the start line and that all will be in place in a couple of seconds. Yeah. Especially for a race like that because the training pro- process is so long. And then you, yeah. you do have the travel and the few days leading up and putting your bike together. I would assume it really builds up. How long do you think someone needs to train? Let's just say there's a person that's a good athlete, right? Or an average athlete, somebody that stays active, that, that runs or bikes or works out regularly, you know, not, not a stud necessarily, but somebody that that's, that's average, but capable. How yeah. long do you think it would take them? You know, if they say, I really want to do an Ironman and I want to do it as soon as I can responsibly, what, what do you think for an average person that, that exercises three or four days a week for an hour? should should start to set, start to plan out one of these things and start to like when should they sign up for a race you you must sign up one year prior because it's it's fast sold out okay you have signed up now i think the best window for me that works is 6 months because if i train for 8 months it's too long if i train for 4 months it's too short if, if I train for six months, I can do little endurance stuff and get used to training and get used to speed and to that whole procedure of training. You know? I think uh, six months is it's a great time to, to build up for Ironman. Right. So that would be for someone that is pretty fit to start out. Like you, you, I would assume you stay pretty fit year round. So for you, it's kind of like sharpening the sword and it takes you six months to get Ironman ready. So maybe the advice would be for that person just to up their fitness a little bit, right. And get to maybe where they could run nine or 10 miles in a row, maybe cycle a hundred Ks. Um, you know, what, what, what would you say would be some good thresholds for someone to say, I'm ready to do an Ironman? Like how far should they be able to swim, bike and run before they actually get into the race? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not that proponent of testing yourself on on the distances you will compete. Maybe you say, okay, I want to I want to compete in an Ironman, and now I want I'm 
must make a 3.8 kilometer swim, a 180 kilometers bike, and I must run a marathon. Okay. If you, if you didn't run a marathon, that means nothing. You will run it in an Ironman, but it, it is true. You have to do some longer runs or some longer bike rides to be accustomed to be five or six hours in the cell of three to four hours running. That is true. And if you don't, if you cannot run, I say 20 kilometers in a session, it is a red flag. I don't want to do an Ironman if I cannot run, let's say 20 kilometers. Then you will suffer big time because you will bike 180 kilometers prior to that. Just go to a shortcut race. Shortcut racing is a great uh, test for how you feel on an <coughs> on an triathlon. Go for a 7.3 race on, on half an Ironman. Huh? You just try a half Ironman and you see, okay, I was feeling good, I was feeling bad, I was feeling tired. You you also know your weak spots. Okay, I was tired of the bike ride, I was swimming too hard, I was running too hard. And you have your insights and you then work on the weak spots. That's good advice. I think that's probably what most people do, right? Is you start out with a maybe an Olympic distance Ironman and then work to a half and then to a full. Is that the progression that you made? Did you start out with some shorter ones and build yeah. your way up to the full Ironman? Yeah, for sure. I was racing short course for three or four years. I, I was afraid of half Ironmans and more afraid of Ironman. I thought, my God, these people are crazy. These people are crazy. They are doing 10 hours of this stuff. And then when you do a half Ironman, then you say, no more of this, no more of this. And when you go and you sleep it overnight, you say, oh, I want it. I want it. I want more and more. <laughs> it's kind of like this. That's great. It is funny when you complete a long ride or a long run. You very quickly, it seems like you can bounce back from these things pretty quickly. There's been times where I've been on a long bike ride and I think to myself, this is so hard. And then as soon as you get home and you take a shower and you eat some food, you're kind of like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. The human body is so, uh, the ability for the human body to adapt is just, it's crazy. It's one of the reasons that as a species, we've been so successful, you know, is that we just can adapt to so many different situations. And it's, it's pretty crazy how quickly your body can adapt to these, these long endurance training sessions, right? Yeah. Just that feeling of accomplishment. It's, it's crazy. You, you sit down and you eat your dinner and you think, Oh my God, I have cycled 150 kilometers. That's great. I have seen so many things. I, I don't know. That's that's a cool feeling. Or you go just for a walk for 10 miles or 5 miles or for a run or for a swim or for a hike. I don't know. It could be anything. And when you come home, you, you just have these nice memories, these endorphins, and you are, the whole world belongs to you. I totally agree with you. And people think that these events like Ironman or an ultra marathon or a, even just a long bike ride, if, you know, 50 mile bike ride, let's say, you know, 90K bike ride, something like that. They, people think that those are reserved for the special among us that, oh, those guys are, those guys or girls are crazy. I could never do that. And you really, you can, even if you're right now, you're overweight and you're, you're sedentary, 
just start to walk and pretty soon you'll be able to see, oh, I can go a little bit longer. Oh my God, I can go five miles. I can go six miles. I can get on the bike and do 40 miles or 80 Ks or it's not just reserved for the special people among us. And I think that's one of the great things about endurance sports is like in say basketball or football or or soccer, there's a, there's a high level of skill involved there that you kind of have where you don't in some regards, but in endurance sport, it's not really like that. Right. I mean, you, this is available to just about anybody. No, no. Of course, as you say, if you if you have have a walk at two or three miles, you have beat that man that lies the whole day on the couch. You you don't have to be a as you say a proficient sportsman to be to be happy of your accomplishment. I I like to see among people when they do a nice bike ride just for fun, maybe 10, 20 miles, and they feel so happy. And they they join with her family, with friends. They eat something in between. They drink something in between, take some photos. That's, that's the kind of living that we are meant to do, I think. To- uh, yeah, I to- totally agree with you. I think the bike, the bike is a great tool because – the bike takes most of your weight. So you don't, you're not going to be hurting your joints. You're not going to be hurting your back, you know? So if somebody's listening and just wanting to get more active, get yourself a nice road bike or, you know, even a nice hybrid bike or a cruiser even, and just go ride around. It's so fun because you're exploring. It's one of the great things about cycling is you can go so far. I mean, you can really cover some ground, even if you're just doing a 10 or 15 mile ride, you'll be amazed at what you see and the people you meet and, uh, I think cycling is really an underrated sport. No matter what you do, if you're a runner or a swimmer, cycling is just the best cross training because you get so much cardio with very little impact to the body. Do you find Do you find the same with with cycling? You really enjoy that side of the training. Yeah, you can you can cover so much kilometers, see so much things, and now now with the electrical bikes, I I just see people with the road bikes, and then are combined with some people with electrical mountain bikes and then some mountain bikes and they are one big group. Nobody cares how their fitness is because they have an electrical bike and then they they can ride together. And and just just that feeling of being together, staying together, accomplish things together. Anybody no with with the electrical bike you can climb any mountain you like. And then you have some spectacular views from it. I think that's great. And you don't need to buy it. You can rent it for a weekend and go for a ride with your friends. I think it's just great. And as you said, it's just so little body impact. So little. Yeah. You, I, one of your Instagram posts, you had said something to the effect of you were talking about swimming, and I think I'm paraphrasing, but you said something to the effect of where all the outside noise of the world gets drowned out, gets quiet. Um, maybe just talk if you can about the mental side of what training does for you, and you know when you're out there, and, and obviously you probably like to compete and you like to stay fit, but what does what does endurance sport do for you? from a mental and emotional standpoint, how does that kind of feed into your everyday life and, and benefit you? I don't, I don't know. I think this long endurance sport is just making you humble. That whole training you deal with and that whole experience, you're just humble and you just 
feeling that feeling of accomplishment when when you when you are possible to to do so much of training and you are healthy and you have some possibilities to be to be sports active so many people in the world are incapable to do something like this like an ironman i don't know you have physical or financial problems but you just feeling that i think honored that you can do something as beautiful as triathlon you can you can choose to go to swimming where as you said just all the noise disappear you're just swimming you're just lying you're just one with the water and when you want to see some some beautiful things you go for a ride and when when you need to to think about a few problems you go for a five mile run and your problems are solved that mental side of sports yeah it's 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 a heavy component you must i don't know you must believe in your in your abilities man nobody's perfect in that regard i i'm also not perfect in that regard i must work on that magnet too but with races you complete with with good training days you have it's also building your mental abilities to believe in yourself and I, I don't know i also like to go to the church just just to say a prayer or two it just gave me that confidence if i if i'm stuck in the middle of the race and i don't have to believe to finish it i just say come on god let's do this let's just go to the finish line and then i don't know yeah. it's not all about the physics you are, you also have to train your mental side it's 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 a special segment but people people often just run some cycle and don't and disregarding this mental power this will to persist this will to win to cross the finish line i think that's the most powerful thought you if you don't lose that in an ironman especially you're the winner if you just know okay i'm going to go to the finish line no matter what i think you're the winner Yeah, that's such a key component of of training and of of racing. I think you have to find something bigger than yourself as cliché as that sounds and whether that's yeah. uh you know religion or 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 faith in a, a particular religion or god or it's just a, a feeling that you're part of nature or there's just something out, you know, the race itself is is in some ways arbitrary, right? They they yeah. they spray they spray paint a starting line and a finish line and they have clocks going, but that's all that's all secondary that's all external right so it's really more about what you're experiencing as a as a human being in this this collective energy of of athleticism and and doing things that we were meant to do and i find that the best athletes especially the best endurance athletes are some of the most humble uh connected i'll use the word spiritual even though that 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 word gets kind of overused but a lot of the really great endurance athletes that that stay around for a long time are very connected to to something that's bigger than just, you know, where you placed in a in a certain race. Yeah, as you said, every race, especially Ironman, it's a journey. It's a long day. You have you have to think of somewhat something that you will become at the end of the race. You have to have a goal. What's what's supposed to happen in this journey not just as you said the mark for the start and the finish 
you just think, okay, in this journey, I want to achieve this and this and this. I want to be a better in this and this. That that's it. Think I think that's are the driving components that make you a better, a humbler, a better person, better sportsman, and all around person. You just learn the whole way. It may be a five kilometer run or a fifty kilometer run. You're you're just learning the whole way of running and trying to be a better person on the end of the run or calmer yeah. person or just happier person. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that's it. And you, and you do you find these new elements of yourself when you when you push past what you're used to. If you if you've only done a a twenty k bike ride and you go out and do a hundred k bike ride, you've now expanded. You've pushed your boundaries, and you, you do learn a lot about yourself. And you find these this new confidence. But I know there's some people listening that are kind of, um, you know, we're talking about the more esoteric, mental, emotional sides of training. But I know there's also some people out there that really want to. They're like, give me the details, give me the nuts and the bolts. Um, so yeah. while I've got you, while I've got you, a highly you know qualified and decorated Ironman triathlete, what does a typical training week look like for you? You mentioned training, you know, six months out. If you're if you're really in the thick of the training, let's say you're you're approaching your peak weeks in terms of preparing for this race, maybe take us through just just a basic outline of uh, of what a, tr- a week of training might look like for you. My weekly trainings are, I think, that will be a three times swimming, three times biking, and three times running. But then that's so. On Mondays, I like to take an easy swim because I'm tired from the weekends. I have a job also, and then in the morning, I before the work, I do a short swim. And then maybe later in the day, uh, one hour spin or half an hour running just to take some tiredness of my legs and my body. And then and the next day, I will take in the morning, I will do some speed work on the track. And then after the work, I will do some cycling kilometers just to freshen up my legs for, for Wednesday when I had a longer bike ride or or mill bike ride with um ride uh run off of the bike with some spicy kilometers in between and some easy kilometers then wednesday i have a swim in the morning and then friday i may be taking a sauna or something like that to freshen up before the weekends and they are reserved for some bigger volume i think Sunday, maybe a long ride or maybe a long run. And Saturday, maybe a break training. I don't know. Uh, swim, run combo, trail run, maybe a mountain bike or maybe, a, I don't know, a short spicy bike combined with a longer tempo run or something like this. So uh, when when the, the race approaches, then the volume goes down and, and the, the intensity goes up. I think the most people do the mistakes that they they hold the volume prior to races too high. You must lower the volume and keep the intensity, not both, because you are too tired then to race. 
they are just afraid, oh no, my God, I lose the fitness if my volume is not high enough. But no, you have the volume. You have trained for half a year. You don't need the volume anymore. You just need the short intensity stuff to stay sharp and then attack the race. I don't know. How, how long? How long before a race? Like, what does that taper schedule look like for you? No, I don't follow any special taper procedure. But in the last months, I slowly downgrade the the volume and make more threshold work or that race tempo work. I want to be accustomed to th- that tempo that I will use in the racing. I just want to know how it feels to bike in a race tempo, how it feels to run in a, in the race tempo, and how it feels to swim in the race tempo. To know, okay, I'm in the zone, that's how it should felt in the race. Do you think it's fair to say you should be doing maybe 70 to 75% of your training in that race tempo? Yeah, but uh, but also... Hated. But also, it should not take too long because you you will then be also tired from the intensity. You must you must know your body how much you can take from this. It's it's kind of a hard work. Tempo tempo workouts are for me the the one of the heaviest training that I have done. But I don't know. Always good to have a good plan. Stick to it. Believe to it. And you just yeah. you just try it out. Okay, this suits this this suits me not, and you see then. Okay, nobody's perfect. We train for ten years, and nobody has the perfect plan. If there were a perfect plan, it would be they would sell it for ten thousand dollars, and everybody yeah. would. Be, right? um, everybody was buying. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, everybody has different plans, and that's kind of the part of the fun of it is figure out what works for you. But you, you mentioned you know, having a normal job and, and most, most triathletes do have, you know, your standard type jobs. There's very few of us that can afford just to be professional athletes and train all the time. And so what is it like for you to have to get up before work, do a training, do a session, work, come home, do a session? You know, there's a lot of laundry and showers and eating and stuff involved in there too. Like, does this really consume a, a big portion of your life training for these races and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing but does this really have to be a a lifestyle and something you're completely dedicated to what's it like to to do that balance with with training and work and social and all that stuff i know i don't know that that this doesn't have to be so strict as as like i mentioned it you can do also uh with less volume and it's it's depend of your goals if you want to qualify then you have dedicate then you have to dedicate to the sport or just to live triathlon not just to train if you just want to finish you can just train triathlon i'm just used to that lifestyle i just if i don't wake up in the morning before my scheduled work i don't know i, I think i'm sick or something like this i i'm i'm waking up and i think okay oh, I must train. I'm just loving it. It's my lifestyle. I don't know. It's living triathlon. I don't know. Maybe someone would say, "Oh, disaster! This is <laughs> this is crazy." But I don't know. It's not crazy. If you if you work out before work and then you come home, you have 
you just sit, eat something, have a chat with your parents or with your partner, and they also have some things to do. And in the meantime, you just train for an hour and you can socialize again. The people think, oh my God, that's, that Ironman trainings are always two to three to four hours long. No, that's just reservated for the weekends. It just takes, around takes one or one and a half hours. A bike ride takes two, maybe three hours. Now with the summer, it's, I don't know, you have lots of times. It's just the consistency, it sounds like. Yeah, just time management. Absolutely. I think that's good, good advice. You know, we, we think of Ironman as these guys that all, all and girls that all they do is train all the time. And you're saying, no, you can, you can fit it in. You go out and you do a, a 5K after work, takes you. 30 minutes, yeah. you know, uh, do a, an hour bike ride. You know, it's, it's just doing it every day and, and then hitting the long workouts on the weekends. And what is the, it's expensive, right? I read in an article that you had uh, written that, you know, one of the reasons that you didn't go to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but one of the reasons you didn't go to the Kona, even though you've qualified a couple of times, is just, it's so expensive to, to go to Hawaii, right? Like how expensive is this sport if you want to do it at the, at the higher, higher levels and you don't have sponsors and things like that? Oh, it's it's quite an expensive sport. I think you just you just need pretty much of money for it. Just just if you sign up for a race for Ironman, it costs you six hundred fifty or seven hundred euros for an Ironman. This is just for signing up, and you have to buy a neoprene suit. You have to have a bike. You have to have a pair of running shoes, I don't know. And then you have to travel to the destination. You have to sleep somewhere. You have to eat something. I don't know. It's it's quite a financial burden. I don't know. I have some great sponsors. They are helping me with lots of stuff, and I think I wouldn't make it without them. But this this thing regarding Kona for me, living in Slovenia, just to go to Kona. Oh my God! This is this is a logistic nightmare. I will say you must first travel, maybe let's say to Frankfurt, then to fly to the states, then from states you must fly to Hawaii, and when you go, then you must have time to be outside of work for maybe uh, ten or fourteen days. You must have a good job, a good boss to allow you to do that. I don't know. It's it's not so simple. I have qualified twice. Okay, I was not happy that I cannot go, but I'm inside of me. I'm happy just to be among the best in my age group, to be able to compete with the best, to show my best days, and I think that's the most rewarding things that an athlete can get. That feeling. Okay, when I'm when I having my best days. I'm a corner qualifier and no money can buy this. I'm looking in in this way. I don't know, but it's it's quite an expensive sport. Regardless if you don't have the best bikes, the best shoes, the best neoprene, the costs are there. It's not like just to run a marathon. It's way it's cheaper. kind of unfortunate. 
It's uh, because so many people, the Iron Man has such a mystique to it. And I, I get why people want to do it. I would like to do it as well. Like it's, it's a very cool thing, but it's kind of a shame that it's so expensive. I mean, besides the travel, just the entry fee being that much. And I get that they put on a big show, you know, and that's why. But do you feel like the price is in line with the value? I mean, how do you, how do you think about that? <laughs> I don't know. Like if so many people want to compete in Iron Man, nobody will lower the price. That's just yeah, that's how, just how the, the, the markets are working. But um, when I was starting triathlon and we are all dreaming of Kona and something like this, one great triathlete said to me, you know, Sebastian, in Kona, there are some good athletes, but not all the best athletes because not all the best athletes have the money to go there. You might say, yeah, you might say the people with lots of money are there. In kind of a funny way, he has the point. I I know a lot of good athletes that will never go to Kona. And I'm terribly sorry for them, but you cannot do nothing. It's just like it is. But okay, I, I love to watch. Who compete and Kona? I love to watch. I love to cheer for them. I don't. I ha- I have no no sorry feelings for not going to Kona. Absolutely, and I have no no bad feelings. Yeah, I I just want to live with that feeling. Okay, you belong there. You are not physically there, but with your capabilities, you can be there. Just that's the point that I'm most happy about. I don't yeah, know. and that, I think that's, that's a great driver to to train. Do you think you'll ever have a go if you you know if you qualified over the next few years? Would you would you make the investment, or do you feel like it's not? It's just something that's not not a big deal for you to to ever do. I don't know. I think I'm just it. It's not meant for me to go to Kona. I think if I had this great wish to go to Kona, I would go the first time. And now, if then the first time to say I don't go was the hardest. Then the second time when I qualify, I then say to my girlfriend, ah, I, I don't go. It's no problem. <laughs> well, I think that speaks to the fact that you just you love the sport. For yeah. you, it's not about I need someone to anoint me as a Kona. Fin-. You know, it's more just like you love the sport. You know that your training is paying off, and and the times that you're doing it, you're you're among the best. And that's, that's enough for you, which is very cool actually, you know, and, and you, you do what serves you. You don't, you don't inconvenience yourself and spend money that you don't want to spend just to, just to say that you went. I think that's uh, speaks a lot to your, your mental toughness and, and probably why you're, you've been in the sport for as long as you have been. You've been in this, you've been doing this for quite a while. What do you attribute your, your, how long have you been, you know, competing in Ironman and what, what do you attribute your longevity to? I'm doing triathlon maybe for 10 years and Ironman for six years. I don't, I was never starting a race with the thought, okay, we're doing this for qualifying. I just start a race and saying to myself, okay, you are among very fit athletes. Let's see where do you belong and have a crack of a day and just, just go for it. Just enjoy it. Don't don't 
try to compete and see it like a burden. You must be second, third, five. Oh, that man overtook me. Oh, that man is racing in my age group. I don't know. I never understood people. We run a marathon and then you have these numbers. When is your name and your uh, age group? And then somebody overtakes you or you just overtake somebody and then ask, uh -huh, in which age group are you? Are we in the same age group? I, I, I don't know. I, I think this is stupid. If you do this sport for something like this, to ask somebody in a marathon, in an Ironman, if we share the same age group, this is stupid. You just must love the things. I, I, I'm, I'm loving the feeling that of the partnership or that sportsmanship in triathlon when you overtake somebody and give him a clip and and say, come on, man, let's do this together or something like this. That's that's the way that the sport should be treated. Or, and that's the positive thinking, not just the, the solid things of competing. And, and when you're just competing, you will never reach your, your goals. It's, it's way heavier to reach your goals. It, I think when you go just with the feeling, let's have a crack of a day, you might be rewarded with a slot. Yeah, I to totally agree with you. When you're wasting energy on things that are essentially outside of your control, yes. you can't control who shows up that day. You can't control how hard they've been training or what the weather conditions are, if you get a flat tire, if your knee's acting up. So if, you're, if your metric is, I need to finish at this spot, then as soon as you realize that you're not going to, and you've got eight hours of racing ahead of you, you're going to, you're going to pop. You're going to, yeah. you're going to DNF. You're going to have a miserable time. But if you're, if your mindset is I'm going to give it everything I have, regardless of the circumstances, well then you, that's totally in your control, right? That's, it's, it's a huge advantage really, because like, the sport is so mental. If I may give an example, I was, I was competing in Frankfurt. That's an a European championship. That's what that was my second time, and I had I was I had a very good swim, a very good bike. I was among three in my age group, 130 kilometers, and I have a flat. I I fall. I have a flat. I didn't have a spare, or oh. I, I didn't have a pump. And okay, I said to myself, okay, now we run. And we push our bikes. And I was running for three kilometers with my bike. And then some some athlete gave me a spare uh, tire. And then I changed the tire and go for a ride to the, to the second changing area. Okay, but that's the beauty of the sport. When somebody asks you, okay, do you need something? And they throw you just a thing. It... It, it should not be, but okay. He said, okay, I lost the tire. You just found the tire. Nobody knows who gives you the tire. And that's that's kind of spirit of triathlon that I like. That companionship, that good attitude. It was a great feeling for both of us, I think. For him to helping me and I was grateful for him to helping me. That Okay, the rules say you cannot accept any help from outside, but... He said, I lost my tire. And I said, I found a tire. Spare tire. Okay. And we both were happy. That's kind of racing that's meant to be. I don't know. That's very cool. I mean, 
And it's amazing what that can do for you in a race. I like that you said that actually helped him and you. And it's yeah. so true. You, you go through these things in endurance sports where you have these um, these crazy low periods, but then something can happen and it can be a spectator waves at you or you find something on the road or you, you hand somebody a cliff bar and they're so grateful. And all of a sudden your performance gets a boost and that's, it's a real thing. I can't, I can't explain the biology of it, but it's real, right? Whatever things like that, that you experience when your mood changes, it actually translates directly into, into performance. Yeah. Because, because you know, you, you did something good and that inspire you, you, you suddenly you become that, that boost of energy, that, positive feelings and you think you're in seven heaven i don't know it's, as you as you mentioned it it gives you a special power a special yeah a special gratitude you can do this sport and you can help to support somebody that is in trouble that's i think that's great i, yeah, I don't know I, I i was very happy and this this will be the thing that i will remember for forever i don't know to meet somebody that is in race mode and it's willing to helping you also to achieve your dream to finish the race. That's, I think, the most, the best thing I have ever seen in the sports of triathlon. It's, it's just cool. Yeah, know. that's very cool. That's very cool. What, uh, what is your plan for the future? Is 2020 over in terms of uh, racing with everything that's going on? Where, yeah, where I, I have some personal problems to deal with, and I said, okay, when your head is not uh, clear to train and to to race, let's postpone that to twenty twenty one. And I think it's kind of a it's kind of a meant to be. It's that I just like to to not train regarding to a training plan just to wake up to go to work and come from work and just ask myself okay sebastian what will we do today will will be a swim will it be a bike ride will it be a run or we're just laying in the sun or i don't know it's kind to get that mental freshness back that that eager for training as i said i do some fat adaptation rides trying to investigate my body to get to know it better i don't know i'm a more esoteric guy and i can i just think it was meant to be so maybe maybe some greater goals are expecting me i don't know but i'm believing okay if it's so let it be so let enjoy the time that we don't train let's ease a bit let's body to recover in 2021, I then have an Ironman booked and a half Ironman. That's that's for sure. Then we go full speed ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I think this this little break that we've had was was needed. Um, you know, for the planet, for people in general, get us off of this constant this this hamster wheel of we always have to be productive we always have to have a race we always have to be doing and doing and doing and this the, the, you know the nature is telling us hey 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 let's just let's all take a break you guys are you guys are going crazy here let's all just take a break and reassess and um i think it is going to be good for everybody um you know as we bring this thing to a close here i always like to just get 
uh, people that are at a high level like yourself, I guarantee there are people listening that are thinking, man, I really like the lifestyle that Sebastian's leading. I, I would love to be in his, in his position, you know, having done all these Ironmans and the type of training that he's doing. What would you say to those people that are that are hearing this and inspired and and want to get going, but maybe are are just stuck in a bad cycle? Whether they're just have had some things personally going on, or they're just lonely, or are bored, or uh, down, or out of shape. Like, what would you say to people that that hear this and are, are inspired? And what, what would be the first step that they should take to to get on the path that would lead to a lifestyle like your own? I'm always thinking like this: you don't. You don't need to dream big to be big, if I might say so. You can have a small dream, like a 20 minutes walk or half an hour run, something like this. Just think of your personal dream that is big. Just don't, don't let other people take you down. Just dream for yourself. Have your own dreams and just follow the path. The path that leads you to the goal is more valuable than just the goal. The goal is just a point in the horizon that you follow. And and all the path, all the things that happen to you during this journey will, will I think made you a happier or better person that will come easier across with his problems, with his sadness maybe, with his personal problems, with, with his health problems or something like this. But I, I'm, I never wanted to talk with people who, who, who are... I don't know, skeptical about my dreams. I don't know. If you if you don't like my dreams, let it be. Just follow your dreams and just find some people that support you in your dreams. And I think this positive energy from from the environment will bring you back on track. But we might we might say so. Every everything needs sometimes. It it cannot happen from today to tomorrow you just let it flow it's my humble advice yeah we all have have bad moments bad days good days it's just life you just need to take it 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 is i think that's brilliant advice and i really like what you say about just have your own dream you don't have to you don't have to say you want to do an Ironman just because that sounds cool, you know, yeah. in society. Like if people, people, I think a lot of times they think they lack motivation, but they really just don't care about the thing that they're doing. You know, they, they, they pick some goal that they're not actually interested in, but it's, it gives them society, get rewards them for that. So they yeah, think maybe yeah. I want to buy a house or do this or that, but they, they really don't want that, but they think they should want that. And that's, then they think there's something wrong with them when they don't follow through on it right yeah the day as you say they pick a goal with they identify not the goal that they want or the goal that they dream of they just pick a goal that is good for the society that they can identify with it i think that's crazy yeah <laughs> it's so true and it happens all the time and i yeah. find myself guilty of it as well. You pick some goal that people say, oh, that's great. Or, you know, that's amazing. And if you think about the things that society rewards people for, it's like buying a house, which it's fine if you really want to buy a house, but 
you know, you're going into debt there. Um, you know, having getting married and having kids, and that's great if you want to do that. But the amount of reward society gives you for these things is so disproportionate to what it really is, right? Like, but if you said I wanted to, I want to do a a bike ride across a country, people go, "Oh my god, you're crazy! Why would you?" Yeah. Want to? <laughs> <It's> yeah. like, <laughs> you get no reward for things that uh, maybe just uh, the bottom line is just do what you want to do because. Our society is is uh, is sick in a lot of ways. So I forgot what the quote is, but it was something like it's it's no measure of health to be to find yourself well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. So <laughs> you, you got to really figure out what you want to do and then just do that, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Yeah, I totally agree. Just do it for yourself. They say if you have a chance to love somebody, just love yourself at the first place. And then you will be capable to love others. If you don't love yourself, I don't know. You cannot love others. Exactly. And maybe the first step to that is just give up this pursuit to to impress other people. And just like you said, maybe all you want to do is walk a mile. Cool. Just do it, you know, and then do the next thing that you want to do. But yeah. uh, I like your advice, man. I think that's a really, a really good approach. And it has to be something that's meaningful to that person. And if it's meaningful to that person, then you'll do it. You don't need motivation and some fancy training plan. Like most people, if you really want to do something, you, you find a way to do it. Right. And I think that's what you found in through Ironman and triathlon is like, you really love this stuff. You don't think of it as, oh my gosh, I have to train after work. You're like, I'm sure you have good days and bad, but yeah. by and large, you, you really like what you're doing. Yeah, of course. I'm just loving I'm just loving it to live the sport, not to train the sport. I'm living the sport. That way, it's like you said, a key to longevity in sport. If you're loving it, then it's nobody can stop you. If you if you force it to be identified in the community, then then bad things happen. Yeah, and you will crack. <laughs> that's the beauty of these long these long races is you will crack you that race will find you if you're not if you're not in it for the right reasons the race will give you plenty of excuses to to quit especially on this long stuff yeah i i i was i will take you uh, one minute to 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 set the best quote i heard chris mccormack the ironman champions once said embrace the suck he said <laughs> yeah he said i i know the pain will come and, and, and just said, oh, my friend, you're here, but I'm sorry, you cannot stay. I have much, much better things to do. He's totally right. He knows bad things came, good things came, and they're all passing. And you just follow your path, and regardless of what happens, you just go. That's great stuff. That's really great stuff, Sebastian. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Do you uh, do you do any kind of coaching? Like, should people reach out to you, uh, or if people wanted to follow you, like, what what do you have going on in terms of uh, where people can find you and what other stuff that you have going on? No, 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 no. I I don't do coaching because I I don't think I'm a type for coaching. I if if somebody writes to me, I I'm happily to give some advice regarding to. To maybe to a diet, to a training, to something like that. That's no problem. I'm not charging it. As a trainer, I don't know. Maybe I, I will someday write a book about plant-based inferiors to, to the other 
uh, athletes that are uh, omnivores. I don't know. But any anybody who's following me in Instagram or Facebook or something like that, feel free to ask. I will gladly answer it. No problems. Perfect. Well, for anybody that wants to to follow uh, Sebastian, the Instagram handle is vegan try underscore Seb. So that's V E G A N T R I underscore S E B. And uh, I think people would do well to follow. You have a very cool Instagram account. You keep it you keep it updated, and you show some of the different training that you do, and some of the meals that you're eating, and coffees, and yeah. mix in a beer beer here and there. It's a great it's a great account to follow. People should definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to be as relaxed as possible. I I don't want to be a prisoner of my sport. I I like to do some crazy things and some good things and some good training and I like to do some fooling around here and there. Yeah, well, you've got a great attitude and a great outlook on life, and I think uh, the playbook that you follow is the one that makes the most sense to me that you, you do train hard and you do compete at the highest levels, but it's an, it's, that's a result of who you are. Uh, meaning you're not, you're not training. Boom. Coalition. What'd you think? Great guy, right? Such an interesting combination because just the nicest, most humble guy, but he's an absolute weapon when it comes to Ironman. Really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you guys got as much out of it as I did. Definitely give Sebastian a follow on IG. He's got a great page. Takes you through a lot of his training. Takes you through what he's eating. Really, really relatable guy, as I'm sure you could tell from the episode. Again, his Instagram is vegantry underscore Seb. That's vegantry underscore S-E-B on Instagram. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Sebastian, thanks again, brother. Really appreciated you coming on and uh, sharing with our audience. And let's definitely keep in touch in the future. All right, everybody. Take care. Thanks.